0: This is Optimal Startup Daily, episode 971, an excerpt from the book, How to Work with Almost Anyone, by Michael Bungay Stanier. And I am Dan, I'm your host here at OSD, reading to you every single day to help you optimize your business life. And I have a new author for you today who has actually been gracious enough to share an excerpt from his new book with us. So I'll tell you more about Michael right after the reading, but uh, for now, let's get to it as we optimize your life. An excerpt from the book, How to Work with Almost Anyone, by Michael Bungay Stanier. Billy Bragg, the Bard of Barking, sings, I saw two shooting stars last night. I wished on them, but they were only satellites. It's now more than 40 years since he wrote A New England, and it's only got busier up in LEO, low-Earth orbit. About 1,400 satellites were launched in 2021 alone. It's crowded up there. And where there's a crowd, there's trash. You might remember the scene from the movie WALL-E where a rocket leaving Earth bursts through a shell of space debris. This is the Kessler effect in glorious Pixar animation. Space debris leads to more space debris, which creates a cascade of even more space debris. It only takes a very small piece of X satellite whizzing around at 24,000 kilometers per hour to hit something and break it. You are in orbit too. You might not be moving at supersonic speed, but consider yourself in orbit with this other person with whom you're building a best possible relationship. You're zipping around each other, independent but connected. What's more, you're constantly receiving minor damage from the simple give and take of everyday actions. A small ding here, a hiccup there, a minor flare-up. There might be bigger strikes, too. Getting through everyday life without the occasional bruise? It's impossible. That's why commitment to maintenance is essential. The Keystone conversation is a brilliant start, but things deteriorate without regular upkeep. Run with whatever metaphor strikes your fancy. Gardens need pruning and weeding. Engines need fine-tuning and new oil. Houses need cleaning and the occasional lick of paint. Software needs to be debugged. The coming pages help you establish a maintenance schedule. You'll see the small actions you might choose to do often the necessary things you should do when a situation calls for it, and how to do the bigger, more difficult things when it comes to that. We're not going to start with a list of tactics. We're going to begin with principles to shape what you do and how you show up, and that will underpin all your acts of maintenance. Six principles of maintenance. Rushing to tactics is tempting. Who doesn't pause, even for a microsecond, at a headline like, the seven guaranteed ways to make your team love you? Number five will blow your mind. But useful tactics only emerge when principles and context combine. Here's what you might do with this person in this situation. You'll bring the context, so let me suggest six principles that speak to the being and the doing of successful maintenance. The first three principles are about the state of mind you bring to the everyday interactions of your best possible relationship. They are linked by a call for openness, and I appreciate that's not a small task. Under stress, we're wired to shut down, keep it small, and stay safe. These three principles will help you manage and override some deep wiring. 1. Be open-minded. Stay curious. Whatever you think is going on, you're wrong. Not totally, but partially. Sure, you see some of the picture, but you don't see all of it by any means. Full-hearted, genuine curiosity dispels the fog that ambiguity or frustration will bring. Curiosity helps you understand the situation more deeply because it gets you out of your own head. It helps you maintain connection by more deeply seeing and understanding what's up for the other person, and it helps you better see how you are contributing to the challenge at hand. Two, be open-handed. Stay vulnerable. They also don't know what's going on, not fully. That's on them, and it's on you too. You're holding some things close to your chest. Data, opinions feelings and what you want or need. Some of those things you explicitly know, and some of them are whispers, half-sensed and not yet fully articulated. Sharing can be illuminating for both of you. For instance, saying, I didn't know I thought or felt that until I said it out loud. Of course, oversharing can defeat the purpose. It's the flip side of hanging on to information for selfish reasons. Share what's useful for the best possible relationship. Three, be open-hearted. Stay kind. Towards the end of his life, the author Aldous Huxley wrote, quote, it's rather embarrassing to have been concerned with the human problem all one's life and find that one has little more to offer by way of advice than try to be a little kinder, end quote. This work is difficult and doing it flawlessly is near impossible. You're doing your best and they are probably trying hard too. Assume positive intent. Be generous. Remember that you're both committed to the best possible relationship, and you can be kind to them and kind to yourself as you navigate that. If you can be consistently open-minded, open-handed, and open-hearted, you bring a great gift to any working relationship. Those three principles are the very foundation of a best possible relationship. The final three principles concern the rhythm of successful maintenance. There are daily, regular, and occasional interventions that incorporate actions both big and small. 4. Adjust Always I'm no sailor, but it seems that managing a small boat in open water is yet another metaphor that describes the nuances of managing a relationship. You need to avoid the big disasters. Hitting rocks, pirates, getting swamped, and so on. You also need to make the most of the conditions. You tap the tiller and trim the sails to adjust to the waves and the wind. It's all fine-tuning, just as it is with relationships. Conditions shift in relationships and you need to adjust to what the moment requires. Five, repair often. My dad was an engineer, and he knew how to hammer, glue, and fix the little things that end up breaking around a house. I inherited none of that practicality. Instead, I got clumsiness. So I have a certain expertise around patching myself up. As I've bumped my way through life, I've collected scars. I've learned that when you get dinged, deal with it quickly. Bring the wound into the light because sunlight disinfects understand what's hurting, and apply a salve. And six, reset as needed. I was in a mastermind group with four other people for nearly 15 years. That's a long time. Our secret was that on three different occasions, someone surfaced that the group had gone a bit flat, lost its zip, and we'd all start phoning it in. That gave us a chance to actively reset, change, and recharge the experience. The time we failed to do that during a moment of stress the group fatally broke apart. A BPR with any longevity will need some moments of reset to keep it safe and vital. You just listened to an excerpt from the book titled, How to Work with Almost Anyone, by Michael Bungay Stanier. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one, just meet your match with Indeed. And thank you so much to Michael for sharing this excerpt with us today. And as I promised, I wanna tell you a little bit about him. Michael helps people know that they are awesome and that they're doing great. He's best known for his book, The Coaching Habit, which is the best-selling book on coaching this century. His recent books include How to Begin, which helps people find the clarity and courage to start something thrilling, important, and daunting. And uh, the book that I read from today, which is How to Work with Almost Anyone, which does what it says on the label. Michael also founded Box of Crayons, which is a learning and development company that has trained hundreds of thousands of managers to be more coach-like in organizations from Microsoft to Gucci. He left Australia about 30 years ago to be a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford University, where his only significant achievement was falling in love with a Canadian, and which is why he now lives in Toronto, having spent time before that in London and Boston. Balancing out these moments of success, he was banned from his high school graduation for the quote-unquote balloon incident, was sued by one of his law school professors for defamation, and his first published piece of writing was a Harlequin romance-esque story involving a misdelivered letter and called The Mail Delivery. That's M-A-L-E. So come by mbs.works to learn much more and to find Michael's book, How to Work with Almost Anyone. Okay, that's gonna do it for today. I do hope you enjoyed the book excerpt and that you will join me again tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.